Chapter 2 The Kind of Cold That Fogs Up Windshield Glass. It's the kind of cold fogs up windshield glass. Marry me, Remus, he said with an uncharacteristic tremble in a voice that was normally confident to the point of hubris. The snow underneath his knee was melting into his warmth, the skin underneath the tear in his left knee of his black jeans had begun to turn pink from the biting cold. What? Remus said with a nervous laugh. If Sirius hadn't just opened that blue velvet box with a gold band tucked into the cushion of the center, Remus would have thought he was kidding. He would have thought it was another loud proclamation of his affection, the same one Sirius often performed. But there was no one else to revel in the attention, no one else to witness the moment. Just the two of them, walking down the long dirt road that led to Remus's parents' house, getting away from the noise and the stifling heat of a house full of people celebrating the looming start of the new year. I mean it, Mooney, Sirius said, leaning forward to take Remus's hand, and Remus could suddenly feel the tremor in Sirius's long, slender fingers holding Remus's hand and the ring box at the same time. He was using that nickname that he'd given Remus in school for a crescent-shaped scar that interrupted his brow, a name that he knew left a flutter in Remus's gut because of how often Sirius called it out into the dark. But you're... Remus started laughing as if he could play this off as another one of Sirius's many acts of capriciousness, which was one of the reasons Remus fell so wildly in love with his best friend in the first place, because Sirius could just act and do and be without having to give every insignificant decision an obscene amount of thought the way Remus did with everything in his life. You're on the edge of something serious. You were offered a contract for an album. This is the thing you've been working for, and I will gladly give it all up if you say yes to me, Remus. The waver in his voice had disappeared entirely, like he had never been so sure of anything in all his life. In response, Remus physically balked at how easily he made that statement, a breath of disbelief falling from his lips. Without acknowledging Remus's reaction, Sirius continued, this is your home, I know that, and I would never ask you to leave. Because I know your parents need you. Sirius spoke of Remus's parents with affection in his tone, reminding Remus of the limitless help Sirius had given them over the years, tending to Hope's chronic illness alongside Remus and his father, taking care of things often before Remus even knew there was a need. I don't know if this is what I want, Mooney. This, this thing happening because of my music... What are you talking about? Of course it is, Remus decided for him. For years, since before they were out of school, Sirius had been writing music and performing in pubs and clubs. His exceptional talent with any instrument he set his fingers upon was the only positive thing to come out of Sirius's strict extracurricular schedule set up by his late parents. Now, that effort was finally paying off, and he was suddenly backing out? No. This was nothing but cold feet. He was nervous, and Remus wouldn't let him ruin it. No, the only thing I'm sure of is you, he whispered, still knelt in the frozen dirt, his fingers still gripping tightly to Remus's own. Tell me you'll marry me, and I'll stay. I want to stay, Mooney. Please. Quietly, Remus closed his eyes. There was only one answer he wanted to give but it wasn't the answer on his tongue. No, 
Remus said definitively, forcing authority into his voice. No. The piping tip he'd lost last week was underneath the edge of the counter. Funny. He was sure he'd looked underneath every counter in his attempt to find it. If he hadn't already bought a new set to replace it, he would have knelt down to pick it up. If he'd had the energy to lift his head out of his hands, he could easily kneel down to grab it. If he wasn't absolutely sure, he would lose the strength in his legs once he tried to maneuver off the stool he'd been planted on for the last hour, he could clean the floor. If the love of his life hadn't returned after a decade away, maybe Remus could function like a human being. The memories of that day and the days that followed were sitting in his gut like spoiled food, threatening to invade the rest of his organs until his body shut down under their occupation. Not surprisingly, Sirius refused to accept Remus's rejection of his proposal. It had turned into a gruesome fight, the worst they'd ever had. Maybe the only real fight they'd ever had. In his distorted attempt to get Sirius to not give up on his dream, Remus had said the most vicious, hateful thing he could imagine to Sirius. And it had worked. That very night, Sirius left for London and Remus had heard from James that he'd signed the contract with the record label the very next morning. Remus never called to apologize for what he'd said or take it back, because it wouldn't do any good. If Sirius knew he hadn't meant it, he would leave everything and come back, which meant breaking his contract and ruining his career, ruining his life. And before he could recognize it, ten years had passed. Ten years of waking up alone. Ten years of wondering why he hadn't let Sirius stay. Ten years of turning down offers for blind dates because he wouldn't love anyone like that again. Ten years of passing someone in the street smoking the same brand of cigarettes Sirius used to smoke and spending the next few hours sobbing in his bedroom at his parents' house, clutching the only scrap of Sirius that was left, an old David Bowie t-shirt full of holes. The only thing that was different was that Remus had moved out of his parents' house with Hope's help on the mend lately, and Remus's chocolate shop requiring a lot of his attention. He still had that ratty old Bowie t-shirt with the hole at the neck, like a window to Sirius's delicate collarbone. But he kept it in a plastic bag at the back of his closet, hidden where he wouldn't see it on a casual glance. If he was lucky, he wouldn't have to see Sirius. After all, Sirius probably wanted nothing to do with him after what had happened between them. He could carry on, like nothing was different, and Sirius would eventually go back to London and things would stay the same. The only question was whether or not Remus had the resolve to not seek Sirius out, just to see him one last time, just to see how Sirius had changed, if he had let his hair grow out, if he had any greys yet, if there were wrinkles around his eyes. Quickly, Remus had to stop wondering about these things because if he imagined a Sirius that he could have grown old with, it would only eviscerate him that much further, even worse if he had to see it with his own eyes. Worse still was that he wasn't sure how he would react to Sirius in person. Before he could contemplate it further, Pete walked into the back room after having manned the front of the shop for the last several hours, including their typical after-lunch rush. Remus didn't raise his head, he didn't have anything to hide from Pete. Pete saw everything, heard everything, knew everything. We can close early for the day, if you want, he said, soft and careful, hand on Remus's back. 
Without lifting his head, Remus replied, his voice mumbled from his face pressed into the palm of his hands. I don't have the right to be upset about this, Pete. I ended it. I chose to fuck it all up. You chose to be miserable so that he could succeed. And he did, Remus shouted, moving his hands to let his forehead fall bluntly onto the countertop beneath him. He did succeed, and if that's what I wanted, then why am I still miserable? There was a short pause. You already know the answer to that, Remus. A loud, frustrated moan moved from Remus's lips and his warm breath fogged up the cold granite countertop. Because after what I said to him that night, I deserve to be miserable. Remus mumbled with a quiet breath before looking up at Pete with eyes that were tired and red and boggy from having spent all morning focused on not shedding a single tear. Before Pete could argue, Remus continued, I I don't think I can handle seeing him beat. I think I would fall apart if he even looked at me. We don't have to see him, Pete said simply. Before Remus could say anything in response, Pete pulled out his phone and clicked on the screen a few times. But you might have to see him a few months from now, he added, turning his phone to show Remus the screen. It was Sirius's private Instagram account, which Remus specifically avoided by not having Instagram at all. And there was a picture of a tiny David Bowie shirt, identical to the one in the back of Remus's closet, with the caption, Carrying on Tradition, and a slew of hashtags, one of which caught Remus's eye, hashtag Godfather. With a bitter laugh, Remus ran his tongue along his back teeth, letting his head fall back. That scheming little son of a bitch. Remus seethed, his laugh seeping out through clenched teeth. Careful, that's the father of your godchild you're talking about, Pete said, letting his laugh out while Remus kept trying to suppress his own. Not too long ago, we were scheming right beside him. Which is why I know he's doing this on purpose, Remus groaned, though he couldn't bother to be surprised. This was just like something James Potter would do. Hell, Lily probably gave him the idea. You know Prongs. He loves fixing things, Pete said with a wink. It had been a long time since any of them used those nicknames from school. After all, they were Sirius's nicknames. He'd come up with all of them. Mostly because James had been totally despondent when Remus got a nickname and he didn't. Prongs, Remus repeated with an ache in his chest, deeply furrowing his eyebrows to keep the tears he could feel threatening from welling up and spilling over. Well, Wormtail, Remus said, watching the strange smile move over Pete's features, soft with nostalgia but comical under the memory. You can tell Prongs that I'm not going to be baited into playing this game. Let Padfoot be the godfather. A deafening silence seemed to fill the room as Pete's reply remained unspoken. Only a sharp intake of breath through Pete's lips moved through the air. When Remus looked back, he found Pete wearing a curious expression. His turquoise blue eyes were bright, his smiling lips pulled back into his teeth. Quietly, he spoke, his smile unfurling. You haven't called him Padfoot in a long time. As he narrowed his eyes in Pete's direction, Remus let out a defeated huff as he moved to the front of the shop. Don't get used to it. No, Remus said definitively, forcing more authority into his voice than needed, making him sound cruel and bitter. No, he repeated, and Sirius watched his face harden, eyes narrow. 
What? Sirius stated on an empty breath, the last remnant left in his lungs. You heard what I said, Sirius. There was an edge in his voice that Sirius had never heard, something hollow and unkind. Two words that Sirius would never have associated with Remus Lupin. You, you called me Sirius? He stuttered, standing from his place on one knee and snapping the ring box closed, shoving the cursed thing into his pocket, damning this whole night to hell. It's your name, Remus said bluntly, teeth clenched. He took a step backward, away from Sirius. You haven't called me Sirius in months, Remus. He specifically used Remus's given name instead of the nickname that he always used, just to prove how unsettling it was in this context. At first, Remus did bristle at it, but he straightened his shoulders, turned his back, and began walking toward the house. His parents' house. An hour before the start of a new year, an hour before Sirius was supposed to kiss him at midnight amid a chorus of cheers as Remus wore a new gold band around the ring finger of his left hand. Are we really fighting about me calling you by your name? Remus said, sarcasm dripping from his pointed canines. While Sirius was familiar with Remus's sharp wit, this was different. This was harsh and stinging and empty of the customary delight that usually accompanied Remus's quick humor. We're fighting because I asked you to marry me, and instead of saying yes, you're making it feel like we're breaking up? Sirius called to Remus's back. Immediately, Remus stiffened, halting in his place mid-step. His head hung low for a moment before he snapped it forward, turning to look at Sirius under a gaze that was so violent, Sirius swallowed hard at the sight of it, his heart hammering and aching. That's exactly what we're doing, Remus growled, his words biting, and Sirius felt his chest go cold, the numbness spreading out into his limbs until he was sure his legs would give out at any moment. No he said softly to himself, and then a little louder. No, he shouted over the wind at the boy he had been in love with for the last five years, the boy he'd been best friends with for twice that time. Yes, Remus argued, though his argument grew a bit frail. I'm making this choice for you. I don't want you to make the choice for me. I'd already made it for myself. He screamed, tears now streaming down his face, stinging as they rolled over his wind-chafed cheeks. All you had to do was say yes, and we could've. Remus interrupted, his voice louder and angrier than Sirius had ever heard it. We could've what, Sirius? He snapped, balling his fingers into fists. Lived happily ever after, while you resented me for letting you walk away from your one chance at fame? What a fairy tale. You think I want fame? Sirius barked back, stepping in. Remus stepped further back. I know you do, and so does everyone else. You crave attention so much that you'd do anything to get it. And eventually, my attention alone is not going to be enough to satisfy you. Not enough to satisfy me? Sirius scoffed, rolling his tongue along his teeth. Do you think I'm cheating on you? Or that I'm going to? Is that what this is about? Are you that insecure? Oh, grow the fuck up, Remus groaned. Blame it on my insecurity if you want. But you're not the one who has to stand in the audience and listen to your so-called fans argue about which one of them should be allowed to fuck you first. And then you come on stage and you wink at them both. 
First of all, I don't get to decide how other people talk about me, Sirius stated plainly, but he was irritated at the idea that Remus was forced to listen to strangers objectify him. Second of all, I don't wink at them. I wink at you. And if I did wink at anyone else, I'm practically in character up there. It's not real. Blinking furiously, Remus nodded his head. Oh, of course. Then it's okay if you want to invite those girls backstage, because it's just a character you play. Go ahead and buck whoever you want. With an angry shout, Remus turned his back on Sirius again, continuing his walk back into his parents' house. I don't know where you got this idea that I'm out here fucking every person who goes to my shows when you're the one I go home with every night, Sirius called, delicate snow melting against heated words on angry lips. But I guess now I know why you don't want to marry me, right? Because I'm such an attention whore that I can't possibly be trusted to keep it in my pants? Is that it? Sure, if that's what you need to hear, then yeah, that's it, Remus mumbled, still walking away. That's such bullshit, Remus. You know that, Sirius shouted, his voice cracking in desperation, tears still pouring down his cheeks, just to freeze against his skin. You and I both know I could never do something like that to you. Don't pretend that's what this is about. Don't pretend like you don't fucking know how in love I am with you. And don't pretend like you're any different. If I have to only know one damn thing in my whole life, he said on staggering words that moved through a throat now raw from screaming through the windswept trees. I know without a doubt that you're in love with me, too. Remus stopped. With his back still turned, he whispered, No, serious. I never was. <laughs> There was a loose fiber in the thread of James and Lily's couch. He could feel it tickle his nose from where his face was pressed to the cushion. Every time he reached up to scratch his nostril, his fingernails caught on the edge of his nose ring. He'd nearly ripped it out three times now. If he could just move his face slightly to the left, it would stop itching. If he could convince himself to get off the sofa, he could stop trying to tear a new hole in his face. If he could just stop cataloging every minuscule change in Remus's face after not having seen him for a decade, he could probably function like a human being. The memory of the day and every day after followed him around like a vengeful spirit that refused to cross over into the afterlife. At some point he'd figured it out, knew Remus said he'd never loved him just to hurt him. But wasn't that bad enough? Wasn't it enough that saying those words meant knowing that Sirius would hear them echo in his skull for the rest of his life? It didn't even matter that Sirius knew they weren't true. Remus knew they would make Sirius suffer, and he'd said them anyway. That had been it, then. If Remus wanted to hurt him, then it meant he no longer cared about their relationship. And Sirius wouldn't stay for someone like that, someone who would accuse him of being unfaithful in the future. So he'd left that same night, hopped a plane to London, and signed a record deal the very next day. All the while, he'd secretly hoped Remus would call and apologize, call and tell Sirius they could make it work long distance, call and say, God, anything. But he never had. A month turned into a year turned into ten. Ten years of waking up alone. Ten years of wondering why he hadn't argued more that night. 
10 years of turning down offers for blind dates because he couldn't love anyone like that again. 10 years of rolling over in his sleep to try to find Remus lying next to him, only to remember very sharply and very bitterly that Remus hadn't been lying next to him in a very long time. Then, spending the last few hours until dawn, sobbing into his silk pillowcase. Losing Remus meant losing everything in that town. Sure, he still kept in touch with James, but not like they used to, because Sirius knew that Remus still spent a great deal of time with James, and he couldn't risk hearing his name over the phone. Even talking to Regulus felt like a trap, Sirius waiting with a tightened throat to hear anything that might be reminiscent of the one he had once loved. Those were the only things that still lingered with the threat of Remus because Sirius had taken nothing with him. Some days he wished he had, an old jumper at least, something he could cling to on those days where the hurt was still so present that he needed to pretend. He was nineteen again and Remus Lupin still loved him. There was no such thing. Everything that reminded him of Remus got left behind, and eventually so would the feelings. Or so he thought. There he was ten years later, and they still lingered. If he was lucky, he wouldn't have to see Remus again. He wouldn't have to show how the years had darkened the honey of his eyes into a color closer to barrel-aged whiskey, or how the worry of a decade had peppered age across his face like punctuation in a run-on sentence, or how the dark roots of his unruly hair had been lightened by the sprinkling of gray at his temples, or how that notch in his eyebrow, the one Sirius had named him for, was faded and soft and almost overgrown, his brows darker. Quickly, Sirius had to stop remembering all the changes he'd seen in Remus's face, because if he imagined the Remus that he could have grown old with, it would ruin him that much more. Even worse if he had to see those features as they widened with the realization that Sirius was standing before him. Truthfully, after all the time and all the hurt, he wasn't sure how he would react to looking into Remus's eyes again. Before he could contemplate it further, James walked back into the room after having hung the little Bowie t-shirt that Sirius had brought on the closet door, displayed proudly for Lily to see later. Your plan is shit, you know. Sirius mumbled, his face still pressed to the same cushion, tickled by the same loose thread. He scratched his nose, fingernail catching on the edge of his nose ring. What plan? James asked innocently and Sirius rolled his eyes. You named us both godfather of the kid, so we'd have to interact, and you think we'll fall in love all over again, and that is total and utter bullshit. Finally, he pulled himself up from the couch, throwing his long, lawless hair over to one side of his face and wishing he'd dug an elastic from his bag to tie it up. I've no idea what you're talking about, James said sweetly, holding Sirius by the face and kissing him hard on each cheek which Sirius pretended to be disgusted by, though he was actually extremely pleased to see things really hadn't changed between the two of them. Good God, I missed you. Ask Lily when she gets back. I mean, it was nauseating. I knocked her up just so you'd come home to visit. With a loud laugh, Sirius wrapped his arms around James's throat, squeezing just enough to make James's breathing slightly more audible before he eased off. <laughs> oh no, I believe it because it is nauseating if you think trying to force me to spend time with Mo Remus is going to make me want to stay. With a soft gasp, James's hand shot out to his face. Oh my god, you just called him Mooney. No, the fuck I did not. The plan is coming together. 
Fuck you. No, it isn't. Pads. James said with a certain softness in his voice that he used when he was transitioning into a serious conversation, and Sirius ached with the familiarity of it. You haven't had a serious relationship with anyone else since. Ten years. Don't tell me there aren't still some things that went left unsaid. Sirius scoffed. <laughs> yeah, there is something left unsaid, and it's fuck you for ruining my life. As he closed his eyes, James let out a delicate breath while Sirius tried to maintain his hardened exterior. You realize you're talking to me, right? He said with a raised eyebrow. You can't pretend like you hate Remus when you just called me last week after you had a fucking meltdown at the studio because that one bloke, and I'm quoting you here, touched me just like Remus used to. James said, pouting out his bottom lip and batting his eyelashes before Sirius shoved his palm into James's face. Fuck you. I meant his hands are... He stopped when he saw James's waiting expression. You knew what I meant. And... How dare you use my moment of vulnerability against me? Sirius snarled playfully. I mean it. James said. Stop being stage serious for a minute and be real serious with me. With a heavy sigh, Sirius let his head fall forward. What do you want me to say? When I say he ruined my life, I mean that literally. I was ready to throw all this bullshit out the window for him. Bullshit that he thought was your dream. James emphasized. He's my... He stopped quickly, wincing at how easy it was to fall back into the old routine, even after ten years of keeping it to himself. He was my dream. He knew that. I'd told him a thousand times. And he watched you get on a different stage every night, having the time of your life, knowing that eventually you were going to have to choose between that and him. James stated plainly, It wasn't his choice to make. It was mine, Sirius growled, feeling the old anger from that fight still festering in his gut, from where it had spread and colonized and staked a claim on his sanity. I know that. James sighed, reaching out to squeeze Sirius's hand. But we were eighteen... Technically, I was 19 by then. Whatever. James groaned. I'm just saying, we were all young and stupid back then, and you probably both said things that night that you regret. Unwilling to give up the fight, Sirius rolled his eyes. Think I need to talk to a neutral party about this. You already know all my secrets, Sirius said as he leaned in to flick James's earlobe, to which James responded with an overzealous clutching of the area. Hmm? What secrets would you be referring to? Tell me again in detail. James hummed innocently. After Sirius pushed him backwards onto the couch by planting his hand into James's face again, there was only a breath of silence. Before Sirius was speaking again, the conversation turned somber. <laughs> it's pathetic, isn't it? He said with a hollow laugh. To still be in love with someone who ruined your life a decade ago. His fingers went into his hair. I should hate him. I want to hate him. Except that you've known all along why he said what he said. James coaxed. And they'd had this conversation hundreds of thousands of times where James tried to reason with him about patching up the rift Remus had created, but Sirius was always too busy, all too far for it to matter. I knew he didn't mean it, Sirius said with a long sigh. Well, eventually I knew. But isn't the fact that he lied to me about it just as bad? Isn't it just as bad that he intended to break my heart? I guess it would be, James reasoned, taking a breath. If he hadn't broken his own heart, too. James, 
Sirius cautioned because they had this conversation once a month, at minimum. You figured out he was lying to you, and then you didn't even fight for him. He argued, taking Sirius by the neck so Sirius would be forced to look him in the face. It's not as bad as what he did, you're right. But you knew he loved you, and you let him walk out of your life without a second glance. Fuck. Sirius growled, knowing that James had talked him into a corner. He was right, of course. Sirius had known this since the beginning. Back then, he had been far too proud and far too hurt to crawl back to Remus after what Remus had done. No, he should have apologized. He should have been the one begging me to take him back. Why should I fight for someone who doesn't want me to stay? With a soft laugh that filtered down into a defeated sigh, James said, <sighs> Because you love him. It doesn't matter if I still love him, James. Sirius laughed incredulously, pulling his angry, trembling fingers through his long, wavy hair. Too much time has passed. I haven't even spoken to him in ten years. I can't just pretend to be nineteen again and hope that everything falls back into place. With a wry smile, James muttered, Technically, he was still eighteen back then. For a long time, Sirius just stared at him with his eyes on the verge of rolling back into his skull before the two began laughing. And they kept laughing until Sirius fell back onto the couch, clutching his ribs in agony. <laughs> ten years. Ten years, and I'm still in love with the boy who broke my damn heart. He sighed. I mean, what if he... what if he's seeing someone... Sirius dug himself further into a hole of self-pity and wallowed until his chest felt tight. What if I have to see him with someone else? I'm pretty sure I would know. James huffed, but Sirius was lost to worst possibilities. I can't let him know that I'm still... that after all this time I've never... James interrupted. If you're thinking of making up a fake boyfriend, please don't. And Sirius wasn't looking at him, but he could feel the weight of James's eyes as they bored into his skin. Wasn't. Sirius huffed, blowing strands of dark hair from his face, though it was an absolute and total lie, because he'd been considering the idea ever since he drove into town that morning. With a pained expression, Sirius looked over. Do you know how many times I dialed the number to his parents' house that night? After I got to London, he sighed heavily. Every half hour till morning. Why didn't you let it ring? James rolled over on the couch until his head was on Sirius's shoulder. Back then, I was afraid it really was true. That he'd never loved me. There was a hitch in his voice put there by the threat of tears prickling at his sinuses, but he swallowed it all down with a delicate sniffle. Took me a while to realize it was all just a lie in order to get me to sign the contract. He thought he was doing the right thing. He thought he was being noble by giving you up and letting you live the life you wanted to live without anything to hold you back. The life I wanted to live, Sirius repeated slowly, was with him. Grabbing a pen from the coffee table that Sirius's feet were propped onto, James took a hold of Sirius's forearm and began doodling in the minimally blank spaces of Sirius's inner arm between where his tattoos stretched. Ever since they were kids, James had done this, back when there was a lot more blank space. A distraction technique to keep Sirius focused on what James was doing, and not necessarily about the truth moving through his lips. Why are you telling me? James asked, glancing up with a curious smile. 
You should have seen him this morning. The way he was smiling. He doesn't think about me. He doesn't need me. It's too late. I missed my chance, Sirius whispered, watching the tip of the ballpoint pen move in unending circles, connecting hearts, adjoining stars, crossing over the ink of Sirius's arm. You know what Mom would have said about that, James replied softly as the line of his pen crept past the border of the green lines of the fern and the pink lines of the variegated carnation he'd gotten last year on his forearm because it had been his mum's favorite flower. Not his real mother, of course, because she had gone off and abandoned Sirius and Regulus after their father died, leaving them in the care of Euphemia and Fleamont Potter, who cared for them better than their own parents ever had, even when their father was alive. Just before Euphemia died, a few months after James's 16th birthday, she painted a still, a variegated carnation, surrounded by her favorite ostrich fern. She gave it to Sirius, signed, Love you, Mum and he'd included her signature on the same art on his skin. It was a stark contrast to finding out his own mother had died several years later when a lawyer called to tell him that she had left him nothing, because he wanted for nothing, and that Regulus inherited the house. When Sirius didn't respond, lost in his memory, James spurred him to speak. Say it with me. No, I'm not going to say it, Sirius said, pouting and mumbling. If you don't say it, I'm going to draw a dick on your forehead. Oh, that's real mature. You realize you're about to be a parent, right? Just say it, Sirius, James insisted. Sirius took a short breath, and as they recited their mother's favorite inspirational mantra, Sirius closed his eyes to pretend to see the smile on Euphemia's face. Together, they chanted in an off-kilter melody, Only never is ever too late. Only never is too late. There, don't you feel better? James sighed, contented, as he went back to doodling on the inner side of Sirius's wrist, his head still settled against Sirius's shoulder. I used to hate that stupid phrase when we were kids. He laughed delicately. And now I'd give anything to hear her say it one more time. <laughs> yeah, me too, Sirius said, letting his temple fall against the top of James's head. She's still right, though, James admitted. Almost nothing is ever too late. As Sirius let his eyes fall closed to the feeling of James's fingers around his wrist, he let himself mumble one more argument. Give it up, James. He screwed his eyes closed tightly. Mooney doesn't love me anymore. An hour had passed and he was still staring at the same page. The only sound in his flat was the empty buzz of the needle of his bargain record player skipping along the blank space in the center of the record as it had long since stopped playing anything resembling a melody, and he'd neglected to turn it to the B-side. Truthfully, he hadn't even noticed it had stopped playing, just like he hadn't noticed that he'd stopped reading the book that only this morning he'd been having a hard time putting down. There was nothing on his mind that didn't lead back to Sirius Black. Even innocuous things, like the soft ticking of the clock on the opposite wall, reminded him of the way everyone had counted down the last few seconds to midnight that New Year's Eve at his parents' house, while he stayed locked in his bedroom avoiding anyone who might ask where Sirius had gone. All of a sudden, he could smell Sirius in the leftover aroma of the dark roast coffee from Marlene's shop downstairs. He could hear Sirius's voice in the laughter of people who passed by on the pavement. He could feel him in the shape of his own hands. 
When he put his book down and buried his face in those hands, his pinky finger moved over the smoothed skin that cast an empty space in his brow. Every morning when he looked in the mirror, he had to look at that scar and know that Sirius was the reason it was there, that Sirius was the one who took that scar and gave Remus a name, that Sirius's lips would always be the last foreign skin he'd felt against it. They were 14 when Remus had gotten the scar. Well, Sirius was 15. He always liked to remind them how he was older than the rest of them. Older, but not more mature, and he'd proven it that day by stealing the new expensive golf cart that the Potter's neighbor had been flaunting. All four of them should have never been on that vehicle, and they certainly shouldn't have let Sirius drive. Worse still, they should have talked Sirius out of driving around the golf course at full speed in the middle of the night. Inevitably, the golf cart overturned. Sirius crushed his ankle, James smashed his glasses, Pete broke two fingers, and Remus broke his nose when he flew out of the cart and landed on the edge of the pavement, face first. He walked away with a scar over the bridge of his nose from where the skin had broken open, and a crescent scar in the middle of his left eyebrow that stretched down to his cheekbone. Remus had never heard Sirius apologize so much in all his life. To pay for James's glasses, he'd emptied out the old coffee can full of loose change he kept in his closet. For two weeks, Sirius did all of Pete's homework. As for Remus, he only asked that Sirius come up with a new, colorful story every time someone asked why he had two black eyes and a row of stitches across the top of his nose. During this whole debacle, Sirius had come up with the nicknames for all of them. Because James couldn't see as well out of his older, thicker glasses, he didn't even bother combing down his hair. And Prongs was born from the disheveled wild of James's locks. While Pete hadn't been too happy about being dubbed Wormtail, because of the long, tapered end of the bandage that was wrapped around his first two fingers, he was at least glad to have an excuse not to do his homework for two weeks. But Sirius had come up with Remus's name first, that same night of the accident before they dared come clean to Mr. and Mrs. Potter about the golf cart in shambles in their front driveway. The boys were nursing their wounds in Sirius's bedroom of the Potter's house. James and Pete had gone downstairs in their hunt for James's old glasses while Remus wrapped Sirius's very bruised but unbroken ankle. When he finished, Remus looked up in surprise to find Sirius blinking furiously to fight the tears obviously forming along the border of his thick, dark lashes. They rolled down his pale but flushed cheeks anyways, and Remus immediately swiped them away, his fingers lingering on Sirius's face, though he couldn't quite explain the reason. Without a moment of hesitation, Sirius took Remus by the back of the neck and pulled him in close, placing their foreheads together as the tears continued down Sirius's face. I'm so sorry, Remus, he cried, voice catching in his throat, and Remus found himself struggling to keep his own tears at bay. Sirius didn't cry, ever. Not when his father died, not when his mother abandoned him and his younger brother, not once in all the years Remus had known him. I'm okay, Sirius. Look, we're all okay, Remus whispered in return, tugging softly on Sirius's shoulder-length hair to get him to open his eyes. You just have to walk on a padded foot for a bit. I don't give a shit about that, Sirius growled. Look at what I did to you. So you gave me a few scars, he scoffed casually. I think they'll make me look intimidating. With a teary laugh, Sirius opened his eyes and they scattered over Remus's bruised and bloodied face. 
His trembling fingers moved up to the injury that had nearly gouged out his left eye, skipping across it from above his eyebrow to cross his cheekbone. Sirius's touch dusted lightly on the unbroken skin adjacent to the wound, and Remus could feel the motion of his finger drawing a half circle. Look at that. I gave you the moon. Sirius smiled with an expression that was some strange mix of regret and pride all at once. As his fingers ghosted down Remus's face, Remus began to recognize what this narrowing in his chest really was. It only grew worse as Sirius held Remus so that he could pull Remus's forehead down to his lips, carefully planting a kiss just over his ruptured eyebrow as he whispered more apologies into Remus's interrupted skin. I'll make this up to you somehow, Moon Man. Whatever you say, Padfoot, Remus responded quietly, moving his head to Sirius's chest. By the end of the night, it was like Sirius didn't even remember his real name. He was sprinkling Mooney into sentences more than he had ever used Remus's name, coming up with spontaneous song lyrics to sing to Remus, doodling a crescent moon on the bandage wrapped around his foot. Once Remus started calling him Padfoot in return, it was all over. James wanted in on the secret, and so did Pete. It only took another year for Remus to admit his feelings to Sirius. Once he did, it only took Sirius ten seconds of stunned silence before he was able to return the sentiment by immediately taking Remus by the face and kissing him quite enthusiastically. Apparently, Sirius had been harboring a crush for even longer than Remus had. If Remus hadn't been so unassuming then, he would have known it that night. Just as Remus was starting to lose his sanity in the memory of how he fell in love with his best friend, he startled at the sudden buzzing of his mobile phone on the sofa cushion next to him. After a couple of deep breaths, mostly to remind himself it wasn't serious calling, he picked up the phone. Hey Lil, he answered, trying to keep his voice as pleasant and warm as always. So, you already heard the news, she said with a soft sigh. Good God, is it that noticeable? He groaned, followed by a pitiful laugh. Do I sound forlorn? You've sounded forlorn for ten years, Remus. She laughed loudly. Are you home right now? Is he there? He didn't bother trying not to sound desperate around Lily. Just like with Pete and James for the most part, they all knew the truth of the situation. I'm in the bedroom, Lily stated vaguely. He is obviously not in the bedroom. Which, when translated, meant yes, Sirius was staying at their flat, which meant Remus was only a short drive away from seeing Sirius again, if he chose. Oh, he had to shut that idea down quickly. Tell me he looks like shit. He looks like shit. Lily repeated immediately, her voice flat and monotone. God, you're such a bad liar, Remus groaned again louder this time while throwing his head back over the couch cushions. Oh, it's not your fault. I knew it was a lie before you told it. Well, he has always objectively been very pretty, Lily reasoned, only worsening the guttural noises drawing up from the hollows of Remus's throat. Do you want me to tell you he asked about you? No, Remus said quickly. Did he? No, forget I asked. I know he didn't. He might have. It looked like he and James were having a heavy conversation when I walked in earlier. She said, her voice muffled, as if she were holding the phone to her ear while doing other things. Remus imagined her peeking out the bedroom door to watch James and Sirius in the sitting room. How do you know it was a heavy conversation? James was drawing on Sirius's arm. He'd drawn a lot. 
Oh, Remus breathed out the memory of James distracting Sirius into having a deep, truthful discussion by scribbling on his skin pulled up from somewhere buried and repressed in Remus's mind. Do you remember that? Lily sighed fondly. Back in the good old days. With a smile, Remus allowed himself to recall a particular occasion where he and Sirius had had an argument, long before the argument to end all arguments, and Remus showed up to apologize, finding Sirius covered in marker. <laughs> yeah, Remus said, beginning to chew on his bottom lip. I do. Anyway, they were kind of in the middle of it, so I just hugged him really quickly before making some excuse about having to pee like a pregnant woman, so they could continue their chat, and then I- You hugged him? Remus exhaled heavily, letting his eyes roll back and close tightly as he tried to convince himself not to remember the warmth and pressure and euphoria of being in Sirius's arms again. Lily was silent for a moment before saying rather bluntly, Do you need a cigarette after that? You know what? Fuck you. I do need a smoke. Remus grumbled, standing to rummage around the writing desk in the corner that he hadn't used in months. In the back of the top drawer was half a pack of a particular brand of cigarettes that Remus only smoked when his cravings were running unusually high, but it was not a craving for nicotine. This particular brand was the one unique to Sirius Black, and he only allowed himself to revel in this weakness when he found himself on the verge of making a mistake. I thought you quit ages ago, Lily said, her words admonishing but her tone understanding. As he stepped out onto his short balcony that overlooked the alley behind the shop, he slipped the cigarette between his teeth, finding the lighter that he'd left on the ledge the last time this happened. I did, Remus mumbled through the filter, pausing to take a breath in order to stoke the flame he was struggling to light from the cold breeze catching around the corner of his building. But you had to call me and remind me that Sirius is within a reasonable distance, looking both pretty and huggable. Oh, shit. I did say that. Lily said, making a noise like she was wincing. Then let me smoke this, before I do something stupid. The embers finally lit and Remus sucked in a gluttonous breath, basking in the nostalgic taste of Sirius on his tongue, and wishing he had the source to drink it from. Truthfully, he didn't even know if Sirius still smoked, or if he still wore the same cologne, or if he used the same shampoo. Present-day Sirius was likely a totally different person, smell and all. Remus, just... Lily started, but decided to rephrase. How long are you going to burn this candle without taking any steps to keep it from going out? As Remus exhaled through pursed lips, he took in a breath through his nostrils, just to remember the second-hand scent of Sirius's cigarette smoke. <sighs> Lily, it's been ten years, he sighed. He's a fucking celebrity now. I wanted to have a chance in hell. And after what I did, I doubt he would be overly delighted to see me in the first place. I don't know. He and James are still having that conversation outside my bedroom door, and I'm pretty sure I've heard your name more than once. She was baiting him, he knew that, and yet he still fell for it, the smoke stalling in his lungs as his breathing came to a timorous halt. You're just saying that to get my hopes up, he said, using very little breath to do so. What else would they be having a conversation this serious about? Out of instinct, Remus had to stop himself from making a serious, serious joke and instead dug up a baseless fear to stress over. Maybe he's seeing someone else, Remus said, hoping Lily would have some logical argument to debate with him. Maybe he's realized I wasn't worth wasting ten years over and he's moved on. 
First of all, that's bullshit. She stated directly and Remus laughed unexpectedly, a puff of smoke bursting from his lips. Second of all, why don't you just come over and find out for yourself? For longer than he should have allowed himself, Remus considered it. He considered just showing up at James and Lily's flat unannounced and blurting out the truth that even after all these years and all the hurt he'd caused, he was still hopelessly in love with Sirius. And he always would be. Give it up, Lily. He screwed his eyes closed tightly. Sirius doesn't love me anymore.